Hello there, and welcome to Consortio Day. This is a podcast about partnering with God to do sacred work. And my name is John Chandler, and I am a spiritual director. And so this podcast goes alongside the work I do as a spiritual director, meeting with anyone who's trying to do some kind of sacred work in some kind of leadership role or a creative role, just helping them to explore how God might be leading them, directing them, uh, to partner in the work that they are doing. So if that's something that might be interesting to you, I would be glad to be in touch with you. You can find a link at the bottom of the show notes about my spiritual direction practice. And of course, I also offer some formation cohorts and just want to highlight that as we are moving from summer toward fall, I have opened up registration for the fall cohort for the practicing examine. And if that's uh, something that might be interesting to you, I'd be glad to have you pre-register for it or answer any questions. Again, uh, you can find that through my website. And those cohorts are just a small little group of people who come together uh, several times during the fall as we attempt to practice and learn examine together and learn from each other and the experiences were happening. I've just found examine to be really helpful, a little daily prayer to be connected and engaged with how we are recognizing or understanding the work that God is doing in our day-to-day life. So again, you can find that on my website, or if you can take a shortcut to practicingexamine.com, and it'll get you to the page where you can read a little bit more about that. Today is a treat for me with my guest. It is Doug Moister. Doug is someone I have known for a long time because our churches were in um, mutual circles. And so I met Doug a number of times, but never really got to know him until we did our spiritual direction training together. And it was a treat to get to know him better in that time. And we've become good friends since then, and we talk regularly. And uh, just from knowing him and knowing his heart, I knew that he would have something just helpful and thoughtful to say on this podcast. Doug is the co-pastor of the Renew Community in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and he's also a spiritual director, and you can find his practice at bendingbranches.org, and he's also the host of the Monday Morning Pastor podcast. And so, even in the midst of all these works that he's doing, all these things that he's exploring, I appreciate how intentional he is about nurturing and forming his own soul. One more note before we get into the podcast and this conversation is I would be glad if you could review the podcast on iTunes and or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's just one of the best ways to help surface this podcast for other people who might find it beneficial. So thanks again for listening. And here's my conversation with Doug Moister. Douglas, um, let's jump in. Why don't you tell us about the context of your sacred work? Yeah. First of all, John, really good to be with you. Um, glad to be with you and uh, today. And I was just thinking about that, uh, just you know, the sacred work and the context in which I get a chance to partner with Jesus and in, in His redemptive yeah. work. Um, I'm really blessed. I get to be. I get to wear a couple hats. Um, my the first hat that I wear is I'm a pastor. Um, I've been a pastor for mm-hmm. almost 25 years now. I was a youth pastor for 10, and I've been serving in uh, a lead slash co-pastor role uh, in a small church for um, going on 13 years this year, which has been really really great. Wow, I didn't realize it's been that long. Yeah, long. yeah, and you can tell by all the gray hair on the side of right. my beard and. 
Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we, we, we serve a very small, I serve a, a small church that has, is just beautiful. Um, we, we do life differently. We have very intentional rhythms of gathering in house church every other week. And so, yeah. I mean, just a real quick story. I feel like what I love about the, the way that our church, um, just does life together is, you know, um, we, we have, we, stories are sacred. You know that I know that. But sure. we have people in our house church share stories, and, and that's one of the ways that we just hear what God's up to. It's a way that we pay attention to what the Spirit's doing within the life of the people that attend Renew. Um, and so at house church last week, one of our teenagers shared a story about how her friends have gone through a pretty ugly divorce and just had a lot of hardship, but yet God's doing some really good things. And to hear a, a, an almost 16-year-old remind yeah. adults – that even in hard stuff, God's at work was just so powerful. Um, and I'm just grateful for the way that different voices have opportunities to shape our soul in the midst of that. So, so that's, that's one hat that I wear. Um, yeah, we're just really grateful to be a pastor there. And then the other hat that I wear and the other work that I do is I'm a spiritual director. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that, that work, I, I do a lot of work with pastors, but not just pastors. I also yeah. do some spiritual direction work with um, people who are graphic designers and um, people who are, um, you know, work in the professional business world and kind of in different spaces. And, and that work is, is the, I feel like that's the work that I bring into my pastoral work too. Um, I think at, at the heart, I'm sure, a spiritual sure. director that gets to show up as a pastor. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the context here in beautiful, you know, always sunny in Philadelphia, northwest of the city a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting, even the question or the, the statement you just made, you know, that work of spiritual direction gets to show up as a pastor, because um, there is a distinction between the two. And I wonder how much of that distinction is 21st century North American cultural distinction you know, and how much you feel like the work of you being a pastor and being a spiritual director are starting to merge, you know, or should be the same thing. I'm wondering what your thoughts would be on that. Yeah. I've actually done a lot of thinking around this, uh, mainly because when I was um, in uh, my my spiritual direction certification program, I really had a hard time seeing how these things overlapped. and, And it felt like what happened was, there was just a day where I was with someone in our congregation and I just started to ask questions. Um, I started to just dust for the fingerprints of God in their life and help them to just discover the goodness of what God was up to. And all of a sudden there was this this switch that shifted in my brain. And I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe this is some of the most helpful training as a pastor, because it's no longer about you being the expert of someone else's spiritual journey but about you helping the other person come into their spiritual life and their life with God and to begin to see um, everything that they do as sacred and as invitations and opportunities for, for the Lord to begin to do some really, some really good work. And so I I sense that for me, um, I I went from having, I would say there was probably a season where I was, I was burned out. Uh, I took a sabbatical. Yeah. I, I came back and I was pretty much convinced my shelf life in pastoral ministry was probably another, you know, two to three years tops. Um, but 
in that moment of experiencing this spiritual direction and pastoral ministry sort of overlap or seeing it as pastoral ministry, um, something clicked inside of me and there's just this joy that has come out that I have not experienced before in past. Like I love my job, John, and I love both of the hats that I wear. And a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that. Um, Mm. But I sense that there's been this collaboration work of the spirit in my life. And even just recognizing that, that that's how I get to show up with the people in my congregation. And so I don't think they would say, oh, yeah, Doug's, you know, he's doing a lot of spiritual direction with us. But they would probably recognize that there's a quietness or a patience in my own soul that is coming through. Um, And just in just a a curiosity that I think has been more present um, than probably many, many years uh, beforehand. And it's interesting to me because it even feels like the structure, you know, that you described for Renew, meeting every other week, you know, in a public gathering would lend itself more to that. And yet, even even in the midst of that structure, you were still feeling some level of burnout. Um, Talk a little bit. I, I honestly don't know, even though I've, you know. I've known JR for a long time who started Renew. Um, and I know you've been part of it for a long time. I don't know at what stage you came on board, yeah. but can you talk a little bit about why Renew is structured that way and what the intention of it was? Absolutely. So I, I came on, Renew started in 2008, uh, yeah. 2008, 2009. Uh, and I came on board in 2000 or January of 2011. Um, okay. And Really, it came around uh, questions in, in really crappy chairs. The, the launch team met for quite a few weeks. And I think I'll get the story right. I've heard it enough times. Um, and no. they were just asking the question of like, you know, um, you know, like, why do we do church? Like, why? And, and they yeah. started with, you know, that, that particular question. And, you know, people were like, well, you know, so we can worship or so we can hear a sermon. And all these different things. And, you know, so we can tell people about Jesus and, and it really came down to the, these two may, you know, meta ideas of, well, we, 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 we meet to be formed. Um, and the second part is, you know, for mission. So formation and mission seem to be the two reasons why the church should meet. And, and all this was, was wrapped in the conversation that was, right before of, so how do we do church, right? Why do we do churches first? Then how are we going to do this? Was the second question. And, you know, they come up with these two phrases, formation and mission, which is not, you know, it's not like that's, these are terms that came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, we all have (laughs) spent time talking about this, but what was really unique about it is uh, Tracy Commons. uh, He's a, he's a pastor who's local here. He was part of the launch team and he was a pastor at Renew for a while too. He said, I think, I think it's that we, we need to change that, that middle word. It's not and, but it's for. So how do we do formation for mission? And all of a sudden, once that happened, our structure came and it was like, well, we have to do house churches and gatherings because we need spaces where formation can happen in rows and in chairs, you know, in you know, rows and circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that both of them need to be sending points for mission. And so I appreciated that our formation was not just a very much of, um, you know, yes, so much about personal identity work, but also deeply affected by communal work and work that sends us out into, 
the world and to our neighborhoods and to our places of work and to our families and everything in between. If, if it seems like you were especially inspirational talking about that somehow, um, my laptop started playing some kind of soft ambient music in the background. <laughs> so it might sound like we were about to do an altar call. I don't even know if my mic picked it up. I think we if anybody heard Jesus. it and you're wondering, that's what, <laughs> we weren't trying to start an altar call. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> but I mean, I, and I set all that up and I ask all that because I'm curious, do you think if renew was not structured the way it is, what what do you think, you know, if you think back to your prior youth, your youth ministry experience or, or other churches you're familiar with, do you think that renew facilitates and lends itself to this posture of pastoring you have that embraces the spiritual direction piece um, uniquely, or do you feel like you could approach the role of pastor um, in a similar way in, in any church or in other churches? That's a great question. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of almost moved to tears. It's like, in some ways, God, I I sense God renew and renew is the perfect church for the way that I'm wired and some of the gifting, yeah. but I don't want to limit the fact that God couldn't use someone with those same qualities at a different space. But yeah, my sense is we are lent towards spiritual formation and, and spiritual direction being almost highlighted in what we do when we gather in small in small churches and house churches because it opens up our community to a space of actually working on reflection. I, there, here's a, another great story. Um, there's a young lady that's been coming to our gatherings or our house church. She's never been to a gathering. She's been coming to house church oh. now for three, four months. And so yeah. she's friends with another couple that we gained during the pandemic. Um, awesome young couple. And um, this gal's been coming and she, the, the last house church, I, I heard the story yesterday, the last house church she was at, um, she just said that she's felt battled. She's felt really overwhelmed. She, and she's felt like she hasn't heard from God. And one of the people in our house church, like the house church asked a brilliant question, just brilliant questions, you know. Well, what do you think it would feel like to experience God in that was one of the questions that I heard. I'm like, dude, you guys are rock stars. Um, <laughs> Spiritual direction. Happens. Yeah. But, but then uh, an, uh, another, another guy just said, you know, can we just stop pause and pray for you right now? And just to see this new person who had the courage to, to, to share the depth yeah. of what was going on, to have people listen and care and ask questions and then to see them gather around and lay hands. Like, I, I mean, we're I was sharing this with, with our staff this morning and I thought that doesn't happen in a Sunday morning gathering at a church, right? That, that, like right. The, the structure just does not fully f- lend itself to be interrupted by someone having a bad day or someone experiencing right. a difficult season. And so it's almost as if the, the rhythm that we have opens us up to some really great opportunities. And I'm not saying it can't happen in other structures. I really believe that it can. Um, but ours is probably a little bit easier because we've created sacred space for that to work or to have yeah. its work. Yeah. So for, for your role, for your role in particular, um, what, what does partnering God look like? Cause the work you do is all about partnering with God, but, right. This is such an obvious question and one that actually requires a lot of reflection yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think 
I wish I had like a real easy tweetable answer opposed to the rambling <laughs> thing that's about to happen. <laughs> so, no, no, I don't, I don't want the tweet. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think what it looks, yeah, this is, uh, I think what, it, what it has looked like or what it, what it does look like most days is because it's got, because our church and because the work that I do in spiritual direction are so intertwined, it feels like I am always looking for what the spirit is doing in the moment. So it might be watching, it might be leading our our children during our children's church thing, or it might be sitting and having coffee with someone, but just there's this, uh, there's an invitation and, and um, um, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use. There's an expectation for the spirit to show up. And I, I just, I think that that's one of those things that I've just really appreciated about collaborating with the spirit in the work of pastoring renew and, you know, being a, you know, a pastor cleverly disguised as a spiritual director or something to that nature. Um, but I think it looks a lot like also internally, it, it really looks a lot like patience. Hmm. And I think, I think what happened in that moment, you know, six, seven months ago, when I had that, that experience of, of just recognizing the spiritual direction, life and tools and, you know, all the stuff that I've learned through that and experienced through that, it reminded me that God, God's work is pretty slow. And it felt like in that moment that collaborating with God is really slow work. Hmm. And that just settled it, that this patience sort of came over and and no longer did I get this sense of, I got to get this done. I have to figure this out. Like this is urgent and this and this and this. It just felt like there was a, a little bit of pumping the brakes of my soul. And, and there was a re a rewirement or a realignment of my heart and just recognizing Jesus is your work that I get to partner with, not Jesus, this is my work that I need you to partner with. Those are really different. I think really different postures. And I, I'm, I'm, I rec, I recognize that in the years prior, a lot of the frustration and burnout and difficulty was, I probably had that switched, you know, Jesus, this is my work. I need you to help me opposed to this is your work. And I, and, and I want to join in with what you're doing. I'll hand you the hammer, you know, <laughs> like, I'll give you the drywall saw. I'll, I, I want to help out in whatever way it looks like to be faithful. Yeah. And the, and the pace of our culture, you know, I'm reminded of that one character in the X-Men movies who moves at a really fast pace. <laughs> and so when he does, everything around him is moving really slow. Yeah. And that's the extent of the detail I can get. Cause I had that on, I think my kids were watching it once and I watched it with them. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I think, I think the reality is God's perspective is more like normal life, and just the pace of our culture is just constantly buzzing around at yeah. high speed. You know, unrealistic, yeah. unsustainable paces, yeah. speeds. So, yeah. So let's. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear then about your what what do your rhythms look like? Because the level of attentiveness and the level of the level of awareness that's even required to recognize God moves slow and I want to move at God's pace that requires 
some cultivation on your part, yeah. you know, that requires some of your own rhythms and your own practices. Yeah. So I'd love to hear what does that look like for you daily, weekly? Yeah. yeah. And even just the disclaimer that I know everybody would say, but I want to just make sure that it's heard very clearly is that I'm not perfect at this stuff. Like these rhythms are rhythms sure. that I, I, I wish I could say they're so ingrained in my life that right, I right, never right. miss a day, but you know, folks, I get sick, you know, I get lazy. Like these are, these are the things that I strive for, but also things that yeah. I feel like I've journeyed with for quite a long time. And I could say that they are some, some, some stable rhythms in my soul. And, um, but yeah, I, I think the first thing is just silence. Um, it's mm-hmm. so, I've just decided, I've found and I've decided when I get really grumpy or crazy or I feel like life's out of control, um, one of the silly statements that I have is when the, when life gets tough, I go fishing. Um, and, and that's actually a spiritual, pra- it's a full bodied spiritual practice for me. Sure. Um, and I, yeah. I do a lot of fly fishing, but there's, there's a whole liturgy behind it, John. It's like I, you know, I get to the stream. You know, and, and usually the drive up is just really quiet and just in my in my head and I get there and I put on my robe, otherwise known as my waiters and you know I <laughs> How long of a drive is uh, that? Uh anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half. Like I live okay. in probably okay. some of the best fly fishing areas huh. in the okay. country. It's just now if you're on the west coast or in Montana, you're probably laughing, but but Pennsylvania is right. great. Um and so you know, there's this whole like liturgy of just like putting on my waders and, you know, putting the rod together and, you know, getting to the stream and just looking and seeing what's happening, you know, is the fish rising? There's nothing happening. Is the, is the water high? What's the temperature? Like there's just such intentionality of like what is happening in that moment um, that there's just a silence that settles into my heart, which usually ends up with me sitting on a bank somewhere for a good hour and a half, just resting, listening, being quiet and still. Um, but on a daily basis, that really happens when I'm outside, either in my run or my walk in the morning. Um, I normally get up and I read scripture for a bit. Um, and I just, just pay attention. I just ask real simple questions like, what, you know, Lord, what do you have? Like, what adventure do we have today? Or what do you want to talk to me about today? Um, and then after the scripture, I hop out on my run. And that's just a space where I feel like the spirit and I play. Um, we notice the mm. trees, we notice the flowers. Um, we stop and pet Shannon, who is, uh, an old collie down the street for some odd reason. Almost every nice. single day I get out to run. Um, my neighbor and her dog Shannon are out and, uh, Shannon, who is an older dog almost runs to greet me. And mm. there's something sacred about that. I don't know. You know, I don't, yeah, sure. I don't want to sound like a weirdo or super woo woo, but it just feels like there's sacred work in there. And that's something that God's been doing in me. Um, yeah, normally during that time I, I come back and, um, that's kind of like my day, you know, take a shower and I'm off for the day. And, and that's like my daily rhythm. Um, yeah, there are seasons when I practice very intentionally, uh, the prayer of examine. Um, right now I'm not in a season of examine, uh, but, but I, I do have just two questions that I play with every morning and just very simply, how am I showing up today? And what desire seems to be most present in my soul. Um, and I'm only allowed to write a sentence or two because I don't want to become long winded. Um, yeah. And so that's a practice that's been there for a really long time. Um, and then I'd say 
monthly. Uh, I try to do most months I hit it. I try to spend a full day, a work day in prayer somewhere, whether it's at a park or at a stream mm. somewhere. Um, yeah. What does that day look like? Oh man. It looks like, I mean, it basically looks like getting up, taking care of a couple of things and then I'm just off. Um, yeah. I used to bring so much crap with me, John. It was almost sad. Like I'd have a backpack. I'm thinking, I don't even think the pilgrim from pilgrim's progress brought this much crap with him. Um, and now it's just like, read these seven books. Exactly. It's, it's like, what is, <laughs> I, I think, I think it just, I, a lot of that changed for me when I, when I really spent time in John five or in Luke five, watching Jesus often withdrawing to wild places to pray. Like he didn't have much. Mm. He didn't bring seven books. He just wanted to be alone with the father and with his disciples. And so there are certain days when I don't bring anything. I don't bring my Bible. I leave my phone in the car. I just go for a walk, maybe a water bottle. Other days when I feel mm. like I'm going to bring a book or, a, but I'm only allowed to bring one thing. That's, that's the whole, that's my simplicity. Mm. Like I can bring one thing yeah. um, along with water because water is important. Um, and yeah, anywhere from four to eight hours and come home and there's just a restedness. Usually towards the end of my time, I just, I really like to use that time to reflect on the month or the week or the, you know, the last three months that were and just trying to notice where God was at work and what the invitations are for the rough areas of my life. Um, mm. But yeah, I, those days are really important to me. That sounds like a day long examine, like some gratitude, yes. some invitation. Yeah. 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 So how did you how did you learn these practices? Yeah. Um I probably first encountered these practices with um I with a pastor friend of mine. He was our lead pastor when I was a youth when I was a youth guy. His name was Dave Sharps, and he had us read this radical book called celebration of disciplines sure and i remember reading that book thinking this is nothing like what i have thought christianity and following jesus has been about up to this point mm-hmm. and it 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 just went super super deep and so he start i mean that that's where the whole like day of prayer started for me was he just said look if you guys want to work here this has to be on your calendar but it wasn't a recommendation yeah. it was it was he was serious about this stuff wow um, and so I think practicing that, you know, prayer was always hard for me as someone with, uh, with ADHD, it's you know, when I quiet and get, you know, my brain can go all over the place, but to start to see that as a gift over years and years and being, you know, present just with my own thinking that has been sort of a, an ongoing journey of still growing. Like what does prayer look like for someone who can think about a thousand different things at the same time? Um, yeah. but yeah, it really goes back to Dave Sharps and just his, his bringing some of these things. Like we, we read, uh, a few other books on spiritual formation, um, that were so helpful when I was, I went to, uh, Portland seminary and, uh, yeah. took the spiritual formation and leadership cohort, um, for my doctorate, still not finished the dissertation, but I, that, I just stayed up every, every course was so helpful there. I bet. Yeah. Um, I have a spiritual director, um, who has just been such a, a gift to me. And I, I'd say mm-hmm. that's, that's, that is one of the things that if I could go back in time and start younger, I would have had a spiritual director from day one um, being yeah. in pastoral ministry. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think even in that, what's been interesting is there were there were all these expect, expectations that I had of what I thought a spiritual person looked like, what, and especially mm-hmm. what a spiritual pastor looked like. And sure. so I think the gift of the, one of the biggest shifts was having a spiritual director just ask me the simple question. Uh, you know, Owen was like, "Well, you know, where do you feel like you're you are the most quiet?" I was like, oh, definitely out on a walk. He's like, well, then why isn't that your prayer? How, like, maybe you have to walk mm-hmm. and pray, and that's what prayer looks like for you, you know, or that's what examine looks like for you. And all of a sudden, it's there was this this really deep connection that I never had before between my my heart, my mind, and my body. Um, and all of a sudden, these full bodied spiritual practices like fishing and um, you know yeah. fly fishing and walking and running and working out and going on a walk with my wife and all these different things became really, really important parts of my own spiritual rhythms. And so, you know, if I could fish every day, I would, but probably wouldn't get much done. Um, But I can walk every day. I can, you know, I've just noticed for me personally, I have to move in order for Jesus to move in me. There has to be some kind of physical. See, that was tweetable. You got your (laughs) Woo-hoo, I did it. Um, yeah. And, you know, Doug, I would submit that that's probably not an ADHD thing. <laughs> I would submit that that's probably like something for all mm. of us to take away because I had a spiritual director friend, you know, suggest to me several years ago that maybe because I was struggling to find a time to do the prayer of examine. And he suggested to me, maybe when you're riding your little exercise bike over there might be the best time to do it because just somehow that physical engagement, that physical repetition actually probably lends itself to, you know, better awareness and better focus. Yeah. And we, we spend so much time just trying to be still and, you know, trying to quiet everything so we can focus when actually some level of physical engagement can be really beneficial yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And there is something to stillness and silence as good practices. You know, that's not to say they aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Something about that tangible engagement feels important. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't picture Jesus going away, finding a rock in a desert and kneeling next to it for a whole night. Like it's, it's hard. I mean, I know that's what all the pictures are, but I feel like after living in this way, I, I just see Jesus so active with his father. Like, going on walks, you know, um, and, and also the importance of the community, right? Like we think Jesus withdraws by himself, but clearly his disciples many times are with him, some of them. And even in that, like, I would say the other spiritual practice that's so helpful is, you know, my co-pastor Ben and I meet once a week and sometimes we talk about renew stuff, but for the most part, it's an hour of just, how are you doing? What's new? Mm -hmm. What's, what's going on? And, and, Ben has just been such a dear friend and such an ally and such a person that has just helped listen well um, to what's going on within the reaches of my own heart. But it's just, it's a friendship, right? It's a co-working friendship. But right. Right. I think even having community invested in our formation is, is so key for who we're becoming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're foremost in community. Yeah, agreed. Right? I mean, this, the, the Trinity is a community. I so. heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, can we divert a little bit and talk a little bit about your 
sabbatical. I, I feel like when I did a sabbatical, I didn't really know what to do and how to do it and learn things along the way. Yeah. Um, and so any opportunity I have to have someone share, because honestly, I'm just aware of a number of pastors who are trying to figure out a sabbatical or had that kind of thing delayed by COVID and all yeah. that and trying to find their way back to it. So I, I think there's a lot of need for that and hopefully a lot of opportunity for that. And I'd love to hear what your experience was like yeah. and what your, your learnings were like yeah. within that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I really tried to go into my entire sabbatical experience with, um, with an expectancy versus expectations. And so I think that was one of the things that was really helpful. And so, uh, I, I kind of designed it off of um, some pretty simple ideas about rest, recreation, and restoration. Um, mm. th- unfortunately, all the words started with the letter R, which looking back just <laughs> makes me cringe. I don't think that's so bad. <laughs> but I think what was good words. really helpful was I was just able to have time to just really say, I need to unplug. That was the most important thing. Um, I thought I was going into sabbatical just really tired and overwhelmed and not burned out. And it wasn't until I got back from my sabbatical. And my wife, my wife, Mary, was like, you're burned out. I mean, she knew it from probably a year before. But when I came back from sabbatical, I was like, dude, I was burned out. Uh, Definitely (laughs) burned out. Um, I think what was really helpful is I started, you know, as a fly fisherman and also as someone that fishes with old stuff. Like I love to fish with bamboo fly rods, not because I'm rich, Mm -hmm. but because I know a guy who can get me the rods that nobody wants to buy. So I I started out my whole sabbatical with a week working with a, uh, with a bamboo rod builder. And it was so good to just be doing something with my hands and using that space to both rest and reflect. Um, I found myself in tears multiple times as I'm like getting bamboo splinters in my fingernails and also just, you know, sanding stuff and getting things prepped for the next stage. Um, But that was just really helpful. And I was grateful that my, my wife and family afforded me that opportunity to just get away for a week. Um, and it wasn't expensive. It wasn't this huge, this huge cost, which was really great. Um, so that was kind of the, the first few, like my first leg was just a lot of rest. So I did that. I fished a lot. I went to my kids' games. I, I you know, cooked good meals. We were just, we rested well. Um, yeah. And then in the summertime, we sort of moved into recreation mode. So did a lot of paddle boarding, did a lot of outside activity that, you know, we went for a, a two week trip to Maine, um, that, that, uh, that some folks were very gracious in helping us to cover financially, uh, our, my church. And then, um, and then I really focused back on restoration of just realizing one thing I heard is never decide, never go into sabbatical thinking, am I going to come back and still be a pastor? Because you can't Mm -hmm. make those decisions when you're in a space where, you are just on essentially a vacation forever long of time it is. Um, and so I just decided I'm not making any decisions for at least, at least a year until after my sabbatical about what my future will look like. Uh, I got, you know, Bob Hyatt shared that with me years ago and I just thought that was so helpful. Um, and yeah, it just, it just took on a life of its own. I did a couple building projects in my house. I, I, 
my wife and I, and we, we redid our bathroom and put in a, a walk-in shower with these beautiful glass sliding doors that, that was fun, mm. a little tense just oh, to yeah. do it all, but yeah. <laughs> it was a lot yeah. of fun um, looking back on it. But, and I, the other thing too, that was huge is I, and I, I would say anybody who's getting ready to go on a sabbatical um, to have a spiritual director or a counselor or someone that's helping you just helping pay attention to what's happening within your own soul is so important. So I, I met with my spiritual director throughout the whole thing. He helped me plan it. Um, and I've had the, the gift and opportunity to help other pastors um, walk through sabbatical, um, you know, as a spiritual director, sort of kind of part coach, part spiritual director, helping pastors think through it um, and go through it and just be checking yeah. in along the way. Um, but I think that's really, that was really helpful for me. Yeah. It, it's interesting as you were talking because um, a couple of things I resonate with that I just want to call out. First of all is like when I did my own, it was not intentional, but when I did a sabbatical several years ago when I was in ministry, Monday after my sabbatical started, we got in the car and we drove, you know, and we took a little family vacation for two weeks and included Disneyland and all that. That's not nearly the same as building um, fly fishing gear, but I think that intentional, like from the get go disruption really helps you kind of break out of, you know, that, uh, whatever that, and, and honestly building bamboos, uh, fly rods or whatever it was you did is probably a more, um, meaningful way to do it than going to Disneyland, but I do like Disneyland. Absolutely. But the, but the other thing is, um, yeah, this never really occurred to me before, but, you know, in the concepts of consolation and desolation that Ignatius talks about, and I think I've talked about those a little bit on this podcast from time to time, but one of the things Ignatius says is when you're in a season of desolation, don't make a heavy decision, yeah. you know, yes. don't make anything. And, and it makes me wonder if like, really a sabbatical is a chosen season of desolation. So of course you shouldn't make a heavy decision, but it seems like so often a sabbatical is treated as I'm going to go away and make this decision, yeah. you know? Yeah. So where do you think, I mean, John, I, I don't mean to get off on this tangent, but where do you think that that pressure for the sabbatical comes from? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that I came back from my sabbatical feeling disappointed that I didn't have this new sense of clarity and vision that I was supposed thought I was supposed to have. <laughs> you know, when I had lunch with another pastor friend, he's like, "You couldn't have expected that. You can't have that. You're out of you know, you're disengaged." So I don't know because I certainly had it, um, and I didn't. You know, I didn't have a spiritual director helping me form it like you did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it exists, right? It exists about. Yeah, you step away and you'll refresh and you'll come back in, you know, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, and I, to be honest with you, I'm super lucky. This is my second sabbatical. Um, yeah. And it, it also felt like it's, you know, my, 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 ex, my, my goal, if there was a goal of sabbatical or what I was expecting was to be able to show up differently. It's like mm -hmm. it was no longer about what am I going to do or how am I going to do it. It's just, it's just right. how am I supposed to show up as a as Doug who gets to be a pastor, um, right? But yeah, the first sabbatical did not feel like that at all. It was more just I was just trying to figure out: can I do this for another five years? You know, can I continue mm -hmm. to be a pastor, or you know, where can I get a job somewhere else? But yeah, yeah. 
And that's your statement at the beginning, which doesn't make sense and also makes perfect sense, which is I came into it with a sense of expectancy, not expectations. I say it doesn't make sense because it's kind of the same word, right? Same root word, but the posture of it is very different. Correct. Right? Like I want to be open-handed to whatever may come, not I have these results in mind that I'm trying to work toward. Yeah. That seems really important. Yeah. All right. So how do you know? A couple more questions. Um, how do you know when you're not doing well? Hmm. I withdraw. That's my big thing. I, I, I shut down. Um, and usually my wife knows before I do, <laughs> which is a real yeah. helpful tool. But I find myself withdrawing and I find my thinking being very dark. I, I, my head goes to pretty dark spaces and usually it's around loneliness. Like what if everybody leaves me? Um, and that's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things where I'm like, wait a minute, you know, it just, I just preached a bad sermon. It's, you know, I, I didn't like yeah. do anything that crazy, but I think that's one of the big things is that withdrawal. Oh. Rumination. Sounds like rumination. Yeah. 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 And I think the other thing is even just, um, I will, I will also I'll also find myself uh, just it's like there there will just be this this cloudedness in my in my head of just feeling like I can't make a decision or I feel really stuck in a place or something to that nature. Um, I, I'll definitely eat too much or most likely drink one more beer than I should, although I'm not like a big drinker. Um, and so those are all warning signs for me that something's off and, um, yeah, yeah. I think that, or or the other thing too, is like, even when I feel like I don't, I don't even want to meet with this person right now. That's, that's when Mm -hmm. I realize, okay, something's, something seems to be not right. Sure. Yeah. And then, in, what 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 do you do in that time? You go fly fishing. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. What if bump up the next prayer? Day if everything if everything works out correctly, that's that's what will happen. Um, I I mean, I think that's really where where you know a lot of the Ignatian spirituality ideas uh, ideas and thoughts come into my brain of just even recognizing, okay, where did this start? Or Lord, what is this that I'm experiencing right now? The first thing I need to do is name it. Like, man, I feel distant from people. Mm. I feel really sad. Why do I feel sad? So I think it's just offering myself spiritual direction in a lot of ways. And just, I feel like in years past, it would hit like a wave and just I'd sink in it for anywhere from Mm. a week to a month. Now it it hits like a wave and then my head pops up and I'm like, Oh, I just got hit by a wave. (laughs) You know, what, what was that? Why am I feeling this? You know, how do I name it? And it always feels like God in his goodness brings, brings about my, like my spiritual direction time right around that, that, that moment Mm. or right around what that is. And, and that's where, yeah, I, I've just been really grateful for God's timing in that too. And then the other thing that I do is I, I try to just practice the opposite of what I'm feeling. And so if I'm feeling sad, I, you know, I, I try to practice joy, you know, or if I'm feeling hopeless, I try to practice hope. Or if I'm feeling one way, I try to, I, I say, hello, you know, you can come sit at my table with me, but, but I'm, I'm going to, 
I'm going to train my heart and tune my heart towards God who's good and who loves me. And so that's another, you know, little practice that I feel like has been very helpful for me. Yeah. Well, I, I always like to close with a really simple softball question. Who do you hope to be in 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> I hope to be you, John. No, I'm just, oh, I wow. do. Yeah. Are you calling me old? Are you calling Not, me old? Well, you said no. <laughs> um, I, I hope to be the fullness of who I am. I mean, I don't, I don't mm. want to be somebody else. Like I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I get to be Doug. I mean, that's, or Douglas, mm. if you, if you want to go with my, my form, my. Oh, I see a callback. Formal yeah. name. Yeah. Um, the Christian name that I have. Um, I, I hope to be one that that has joy and wonderment like a child. I mean, I just I, I long for that in my soul to just have this this unabridged joy, um, and maybe a little bit of good mischief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good mischief. I like. That. Yes. Well, well, I trust after hearing this that there are people out there who would say, "I like Doug. I want more Doug <laughs> in my life, more Douglas." Um, but all that to say, somewhat tongue in cheek, but yeah, we're. Talk a little bit about where people can find your spiritual direction practice, your church. And I think you should also talk a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So uh, my my spiritual direction practice is bendingbranches.org. Um, and uh, yeah, it's you can check me out there. Send me an email at douglas at bendingbranches.org. See, I felt like that was an important distinction. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, my church is the Renew Community, um, and we're in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. So I, it's uh, the renewcommunity.org. And um, if you want to check us out, if you want to come visit, if you're like, hey, I want to plant a church, and I am, I'm desperately looking to spend a year with another church that wants to apprentice mm-hmm. me. Um, man, we'd love to have you. Uh, I probably won't be able to teach you how to build a bamboo fly rod because I still don't know, but we can teach <laughs> you. Um, we, we can actually learn a lot from you, but we would love to just, we're always looking for apprentices and people to partner with. Mm. Um, and then what was the last thing? Oh, and my podcast. So yeah, I, I lead a podcast called the Monday morning pastor. Um, we've been at it for quite a few years and it's not as cool as yeah. sermon Smith, but, uh, it's, it's still, it's pretty cool. It's like second, I think. Um, and right. we just try to create a space where, Pastors can be people. Um, we we've we started out just doing a lot of interviews with pastors, hearing about their spiritual life, how they're doing, what health looks like, what good life looks like. Um, we've also yeah. had the great opportunity to interview some some of the best, in my opinion, some of the best practitioners and theologians um, who think and mm-hmm. love and care for the church and have written books on those things. And um, we're also trying to do some fun stuff. Like uh, we had this great idea. Tell me if you think this is funny. Um, I want to do a segment that is this a bad romance title or not, not romance novel title, or is it a church sermon series? <laughs> I'm like, I think we got some traction here. I think it could be really good. So anyways. Um, but yeah, we, right now we are releasing every other week. Um, and, uh, you can find us on, you know, wherever you get your, your podcasts from, whether it's iTunes or, um, Spotify or whatever. We're all at the, all the places. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Doug, um, I, I've been looking forward to this conversation. I always look forward to conversation Me with too. you, but I've been looking forward to having this one to share it with all the people out there. So thank you for making time for this. And uh, yeah, I just, I think your perspective and I think your voice is really a gift. And I hope, 
I hope some of this stuff you're talking about is contagious because I know I would go to Renew if I lived in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. That's the kind of church I would want to be a part of. So thank you. Thank you, John. It's good to be with you, man.